that uh, they you might call it churchies. It's it's lingo that that is uh, native to the church. It's native to people who go to church and. People who go to church typically know, I, most of them have an idea at least, of what I'm trying to say. Um, and, and one of those things happens to be praise and worship. And sometimes we say things, um, you know, we have little phrases, little catchphrases that we say um, to motivate people to action. But not everybody understands the language. Not everybody understands the lingo. Uh, you might hear someone when, you might have heard someone shake hands with somebody else this morning and say something like, Praise the Lord. And that's kind of an odd greeting, you know. They don't typically greet each other like that at Walmart. You know, nobody stands at the door at Walmart and shakes people's hand and says, Praise the Lord. But at church, it seems to be this little thing we do sometimes. You might have seen that, and it's just one of those greeting things that's among Christians and um, kind of one of those unspoken deals, one of those language pieces. Another one is, is uh, you might hear, hear the phrase, Jesus saves. And, uh, you know, some might have the, the picture of a cross in their mind. They might have the picture of an empty tomb or someone raising their hands or praying or getting baptized or whatever it is. We have this, this you know, mental image of what that, what that means. But what does it really mean when we say that? And so it is, we have this, this little lingo, uh, this little phraseology. And so I wanted to talk to you this morning about some of those things we say in church, like praise the Lord and let's all worship. Why don't you lift your hands and worship? Open up your mouth and give God praise. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with them. What does that mean? What does the Bible have to say about that? And what is the significance? Is it important for me to worship out loud? Do I have to demonstrate my, my worship to God? These are, these are questions that you may not have asked, but uh, now you're asking them because I'm bringing them to light. But I just wanted to, to take a little time and, and go through what the Bible has to say about praising God. Why do we praise God? And what does that mean? How do I do that? How do I do that well? The Bible talks about offering to the Lord an acceptable sacrifice, a pleasing sacrifice. What does that mean? These are all big biblical terminologies that sometimes can be a little intimidating. But we're going to try and tackle some of those here this morning. The first thing that I want to address is we, we call this a worship service, a worship service. And so uh, what is a worship service? Well, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, Paul is writing the church in a city called Corinth. And he says, well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, one will teach, another will tell a special revelation God has given. One will speak in tongues, another will interpret what is said, but everything that is done must strengthen all of you. So a, a, this is a clue, a kind of a rough service outline. Someone sings, someone teaches, preferably multiple people get involved. One speaks in tongues, another interprets. Gifts of the Spirit, in other words, operate. Paul mandated that when the church gets together, there should be some kind of a spiritual demonstration, something that happens that, that is a work of the Spirit of God, something that takes place. This morning, we, we lift our hands, we sang, we, we, 
worshiped. Some of you worshiped loudly and excitedly and exuberantly. Some of you clapped your hands and you were demonstrating your worship and your praise to God. And the Spirit of God was responding to our worship. And He was moving. He was moving in our midst as we worshiped Him and praised Him and gave Him the glory. And Paul said, let everything be done to strengthen you. When you leave church, when you leave a worship service, you should leave strengthened. When you leave a church meeting, you should walk away with something that you didn't come with. There should be something that you carry home with you that that strengthens your walk with God, that strengthens your relationship with God. And one of the best ways to get involved in that and ensure that you leave here with something is to praise God. The word praise is a, a very powerful word and a very powerful concept in the Scripture. Psalms 92 verse 1 says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. I'm reminded of the, the book of Genesis when God created the heavens and the earth. And after everything he did, he said, that was good. He, he created mountains and seas and fish and animals and, and, and birds and bees and, and, and humans and, and everything. And after every, every work that he completed, he would say this little phrase, it is good. And so it is with our praise when we give back to God what he has given to us. He has given us breath. And so the Bible says in Psalms 150, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. God gave us breath and we give back to him what he gave to us in our praise. We open up our mouth and we speak words of thanksgiving and praise. And the Bible says in Psalms 92 verse 1, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. It's good. Who is it good for? Is it good for God? Well, he doesn't really need our praise. It's not like he's sitting up there waiting to be complimented. But it's good for us to give thanks. I think that's what the Bible is really saying. It's not so much that it's good for God to receive praise, but it's good for us to give praise. It's good for us to give praise. See, it, praise is more about what I need than really about what God needs. God doesn't necessarily need my sacrifice of praise. In fact, there was a period of time when the, when the children of Israel, the people were offering up prayers and worship and sacrifice to God, and God kind of told them to stop. He said, you know what, I don't really need your sacrifices. You're coming to me as if I need your praise. I don't need your praise. I've got trillions of angels that, that look at each other and say, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of the glory of the Lord. There are angels that are constantly praising and worshiping God. God doesn't need your praise. He's already got the praise of angels. Uh, and angels are perfect. They never made any mistakes. So their praise is, 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 is golden. Their praise is, is beautiful. It's, it's celestial. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It, it, would, it would awe us to pieces. 
is. You think of the, the story of the shepherds on the hillside in Bethlehem. When they heard the praises of the angels of the Lord, they were awestruck. They were dumbfounded. They could not put words together to, to express what they had seen. And they were excited. They were enthralled. It was the, the best moment of their entire life because they witnessed angelic praise. God has angels praising him all the time. He doesn't need your praise. But you need to praise him. I need to praise him. It is good to praise the Lord. You did it. Amen. <laughs> you may hear phrases in the church like, let's all praise the Lord. Somebody bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lift your hands. Give God a shout of praise. Give God a praise. And so, again, what, what does that mean? We've solidified the fact that it's good for us to praise, and we need it more than God does. What is it? What is this thing that I need to do? What is this thing that you actually need to participate in for your spiritual, mental, physical health? Praise is the act of expressing commendation or saying good job and admiration, something like, I really like you. That's praise. Paying a tribute to somebody, showing your approval, or acknowledging even your dependence, right? I mean, when you, when you go to a store and they hand you something from across the counter, what do you typically say to them? Thank you. Why, why, why are you saying thank you? Well, they reached something and gave it to you that you could not go and get yourself. Yeah, but they're there to serve me. Right. But they, they could choose to not serve you, right? Every business in the city of Ajax has the right to refuse service. And so if you come into the store and they, 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 they don't like your attitude, you know, you, you give them, uh, you know, there's, I've, I've been in stores where they say any cursing or swearing will, you know, give us the right to refuse service to you. These are more like public service places where there might be someone who comes in there really angry that their health card has the wrong picture on it or something. And they say, any aggressive behavior will result in you not being able to be served here. Right? They can refuse to serve you, but they choose to, and they want you to come in. They want you to buy their product. They want you to use their service. And so the, you, you, a good response to them is, thank you. Thank you for serving me today. Thank you for, for, yes, I paid for it, but thank you for serving me. You actually did something for me. Thank you. It's acknowledging you need that, that, that service. You need that, that resource. You know, if someone, a contractor comes to your home and does a renovation and they do a really good job, there is a sense of great gratitude every time you walk into that renovated room, right? And you might post a review on Google or, or, or uh, Facebook or, or Yelp or any one of those uh, services that you can, you can give reviews and you can give them praise for what they did. They were, they were fast. They were uh, efficient. They were cost effective. And they, they, took, they took consideration of my home. And you give them all these praises because you're acknowledging what they did. You're thanking them and you're acknowledging that you depend on them. It's the same with God. See, we need to recognize the reason why we need to praise is because when we praise God, we are reminded of what he has done for us. 
We are reminded of how good he has been to us. We remind ourselves how much we actually need him. That if it wasn't for the Lord, I don't know how I would have made it. I don't know where I would be today. But because God stepped into my life and and, and supplied my needs, he met me at the point of my greatest need, then I can give him thanks. And I can give him praise for what he's done. I need, it is good for me to praise the Lord. So how do I do this? How do I, you know, it's good to do it. I need to do it. How do I do it? Well, the Bible gives you seven different words in Hebrew. The Old Testament has about seven words. There's probably more, but these are the main ones. Seven Hebrew words that describe ways to praise God. The first one is uh, the word todah, todah. You won't read this in the English Bible, obviously, because it's been translated from Hebrew into English. But oftentimes with the translation, they'll say a word like praise, but it's a little bit more deeper than just praise. There's a little bit more specific uh, specificity to what is being said there. And so going back to the original word helps you to understand it in a greater way. And so the word Todah, we find it in the in the psalm, Psalm 116, verse 17. It says, I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And the words sacrifice of thanksgiving, Psalms 116, verse 17. Sacrifice of thanksgiving is, is the translation of the word Todah. When the Bible was translated from, uh, from, from Hebrew to English, the word todah was often translated as thanksgiving. And so I say that word thanksgiving, and probably most of you had a mental image of turkey or uh, stuffing or whatever it is, your, your typical thanksgiving menu item, your favorite thing, maybe it's pie. But, but that's not what the Bible talks about as thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the giving of thanks to God for what he has done for us. In the Old Testament, God instructed his people on how to worship him. And first they had to take care of something called sin in their life. Sin is the thing, the mistakes, the errors, the, the willful disobedience that's a natural part of our human nature that separates us from God. That sin in our life will, will cause, really when we come before God, will come before him more like a judge than a father because he'll have to deal with our sin. God cannot be holy and ignore sin. Think of a judge who, who goes into courtroom one day, and he goes to, before the court, and there is someone standing there that has uh, committed a murder. The judge cannot be a, called a judge of the courts and, and retain his license if he does not judge that case by the law. And so the person who murdered must face some kind of a penalty, must face some kind of judgment. Well, what if the murderer came in and said, but judge, I've done all these community service hours. I, I know I killed that person in cold blood and their family is mourning the loss, but, but judge, I, I, I took out a million dollars from my personal bank account and I built an orphanage for children in, in the Congo. And, and judge, I just wanted to let you know that I, I, I'm doing all of the work for free. I'm paying for it all for myself. The judge would say, well, good job. Thank you. Thank you for contributing to the, the orphans of the nation of Congo. We appreciate that. Now back to your trial. Because 
what the good he has done cannot erase the murder that he committed. A judge cannot look at that and say, well, you've done all these wonderful things, so now we'll just erase this off your record. No, no, see, no more a judge can do that and be called before the courts and himself and be judged unfit to rule then God can be holy and not acknowledge or deal with our sin. But the wonderful thing about God was that he gave them a way to deal with their sins so they personally did not have to suffer the consequence of that. God told them, take a lamb, put your hand on the head of that ram. I will transfer your sin to that animal. And then that animal will take your place in death and its blood will be spilt, and you will sacrifice that animal to me, and it will carry your sin for an entire year. So the people would bring their sacrifice, their sin offering unto the Lord. They would lay their hand on that animal, and God would transfer the record of their sin to that animal, and then that animal would die in their place. But that wasn't good enough because the Bible makes it very clear that animals are not sufficient to take our sins. They're not humans. They have no choice in the matter. They have no free will. So what did God do about that? God became a man. The Bible says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 14, John 1 and 14. And, and we beheld his glory, that of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And, and John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting. What was God doing? God was providing a perfect sacrifice. Jesus went to the cross willingly. The Bible says he laid down his life. I don't believe Jesus died from the nail prints in his hands and his feet. Medical science shows us that Jesus' death was actually started in the Garden of Eden. If you read the story, Jesus was praying so hard in the Garden of Eden that he began to sweat great drops of blood. And medical science will tell you today that when that happens, the, uh, the, the, the pericardium around the heart filled up with water. Literally, his heart ruptured inside of his chest. The weight and the anguish and the pain of the sins of the world pressed on him so hard that his heart literally ruptured inside of his chest cavity. And it was only a matter of hours before he would succumb to death. Yes, he was on the cross when he died, but he actually died because his heart was broken for our sins. Yes, he took the nail prints in his hands and his feet. He took the beatings and the lacerations and the most cruel kind of torture. But the Bible tells us that Jesus laid down his own life. It was not taken from him. Jesus said, no man can take my life. I give it freely. He gave his life. Why? So that we could be baptized in his name and find redemption. So that we could receive forgiveness of our sin so that he could step in our place because God is a holy God and God has to deal with our sin. So Jesus steps in our place as a substitute and says, I'll take your place. I'll take your punishment for your sin. I have no sin of my own, but I'll take on your sins and pay the punishment price for you. So that's why we say it's it, time to praise the Lord. Because if you can't think of anything else to give God thanks for, you can give God thanks for the fact that he has, he has given you the opportunity to sponge off the stain of your record 
He has given you the opportunity to remove all the sin from your life and the record of that sin so that it will not come against you when you stand before the throne room of God. When you go down in the waters of baptism in Jesus' name, the Bible makes it clear that your sins are washed away. Acts 2 and 38 says that you're baptized for the remission of your sins. Those sins are washed away. You never see them again. They never come back to haunt you. They never come back to torment you. They are gone forever. God has completely washed them away. So he deserves my praise. I deserve to give him my praise. I need to give thanks to him. So when the people of Israel in the olden days before Jesus would bring their animal and they would offer their sin offering, a, a, a offering that usually followed the sin offering was something called the peace offering or the offering of thanksgiving. Because it was a free will offering. Nobody forced them to do it. They weren't obligated to give it. It was like the extra bonus. They could bring their sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. Where they brought another animal that said, this is not for my sin, but this is just to say thank you. Thank you for taking care of my sin. Thank you for taking care of my mistake. Thank you for washing me. Thank you for cleansing me. Thank you for renewing me. Thank you for restoring me. It's an acknowledgement that if it wasn't for you, I'd still be lost in my sin. If it wasn't for him, the, the nobody knows where I would be today. I don't know about you, but I have a testimony this morning that if it wasn't for the hand of God in my life uh, that stopped me at certain points in my youth and said, hold on, you're going down the wrong road. You're headed down the wrong path. I'd probably be in jail. I'd probably be in prison. Who knows where I would be this morning because God has been faithful to me. I've got to give him praise. That's why I worship him. That's why I praise him. Because if he hadn't stepped in at the right time, at the right moment, I could be somewhere else this morning far worse than where I am today. So praise, praise is a sacrifice. You might have heard me mention that already. They bring the sacrifice of praise. They brought that sacrifice of thanksgiving. Why do we call it a sacrifice? Because it's supposed to be a sacrifice. The word sacrifice denotes that it's going to cost you something. Your praise ought to cost you something. It cost him everything. He surrendered it all. He laid it all on the line for me. My praise better be worth something. I can't give God free praise. My praise has got to cost me something. It's got to cost me time. It's going to cost me energy. There was a, a scripture in 2 Samuel 24 where David was given a, 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 a he was, you know, uh, trying to uh, arrange his life and get himself straightened out as the king and and he came to a man by the name of Aruna and said, you know what, I want to I praise God on your property. And, and Aruna said, great, you know what, I'll give you the property for free uh, because you just want to worship God there. I'm going to give you the property for free. I'm going to provide the wood. Uh, I'll provide you the sacrifice. You just come. You're my king. I love you. I want to do this thing for you. And David said, no, 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 no. I insist on buying it. But, but David, you're my king. I, you, you don't have to buy this. I'm going to do this for you. This is my gift to you. David said, no, no, sorry. See, this is my sacrifice of praise to God. And I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. This is going to cost me. I'm going to buy it. David understood the principle of what you pay for, you value. 
what you, where you put your money, that's where your heart is. Where, where, where your checkbook is, where your finances go, that's what you value. David understood this, so he said, no, I'm sorry. Thank you for the offer. Thank you for providing. Thank you for giving me, you know, uh, sometimes I love getting free stuff. I love, you know, we, we sometimes we order a lot of groceries at, at uh, you know, feeding a family of five. You order a lot of groceries at Superstore, and they give you a free gift if you go over a certain amount. And sometimes the free gift is really fun to get, right? It's a box of, of ice cream uh, bars or chocolate things. And sometimes... <laughs> The beginning of the year, the beginning of January, we got the free gift, and it was a box of vitamins. And I said, that's not a free gift. <laughs> box of vitamins. My wife said, it's January, honey. People are trying to get healthy. I said, well, I mean, you know what? <laughs> a box of vitamins. I don't need a box of vitamins. <laughs> it's a free gift. It didn't cost me anything. What am I complaining about, right? First world problems. I'm complaining about a free gift instead of saying thank you, right? Here I am. I'm being convicted by my own message this morning. It's good to say thank you. And David said, I'm not going to offer to God anything that does not cost me anything. I love to get free stuff. But when it comes to praising and worshiping God, my praise needs to cost me. I need to pay something for my worship. What does that mean? What, what kind of sacrifice? The Bible makes it clear now in the New Testament, we don't offer up animals to praise God, but we give him what the Bible calls in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, the fruit of your lips. I don't give him the fruit of my field. I don't present him a tomato or a, a lamb or a ram or a goat. I don't, I don't give him the fruit of my labors, but I give him the fruit of my lips. I open up my mouth and I let words come out that would acknowledge his goodness. That's a sacrifice. Now, for some of you that like to talk, that might, that might be less sacrifice to those that like to just think or ponder or be a little bit more introverted, right? For those of you that are introverts, your sacrifice is really opening up your mouth and letting those praise words come out because, you know, it's, you really don't want other people to hear you give a praise to God because it's your private relationship with the Lord. I get that. I understand that. But then that that's what makes it even more costly. Many of you sacrificed your time, whether you're here in person or, or sitting online at home watching this and worshiping with us, you've sacrificed your time. You've made a sacrifice. You sacrificed your will. You could have done something else this morning. You could have done any number of activities today, but you chose to come to, the, to, to 467 Westing Road South to worship Jesus with other people in a, in a setting called a church service. Uh, when you worship God, you have to sacrifice your pride because it might look a little strange for you to raise your hand to nobody that's there and talk to somebody that nobody that, that you can't see. And someone might come in and say, what are they doing? That looks weird. That sounds strange. But that's a sacrifice of your pride that you're going to lay it down and say, he has been so good to me. I don't care what other people think about my worship. I'm going to give him my best praise. It might sacrifice you your personality because you say, well, you know, no, I, I'm just not a very extroverted person, but you win the lotto 649, and we'll see how non-extroverted you are. You may not be as crazy as some people, but I can't imagine you'd, you'd crack that thing open, not that you would, right, or anything like that, but not that you'd crack that thing open and see that you won the jackpot, and you'd go, oh, that's nice. 
that'll really help me on my bills this month. Right? No, you'd be calling, whoa, guess what I just got? Well, I'm telling you, if you can get excited about something like that, you can get excited about the fact that you won the lotto on your sin, that your sin weighed you down heavier than you could ever, ever carry. You could never carry the load of that to eternity and pay for it and get into heaven. But God has made it possible for you to lay down that heavy burden and lay it down and give him glory and give him praise. He deserves your sacrifice of praise. It is a sacrifice of praise. And it's a sacrifice when you're going through stuff and you feel like a thousand pounds. Your arms weigh about three million tons. And it's hard enough for you to just get your arm through your sleeve to get to church and put the pedal to the metal and drive to church. It's hard enough. Some of you have been through some stuff that has completely wiped you out where you have trouble even getting up in the morning and cracking your eyes open because of the pain that you feel. But you made your way here this morning and you lifted up your voice in whatever way it was. I'm here to tell you and encourage you that's a sacrifice of praise because you didn't operate by how you felt. You didn't operate by what you were going through, but you praised him through your stuff. You praised him because praise is not based on a feeling. You gave him thanks for what he's done and what he's about to do because it's not based on how you feel. It's based on how good he is. Do you have breath this morning? Then thank him. Do you have health? Then give him thanks. Have your sins been washed away? Give him thanks. Uh, Has he rescued you from some danger? Give him thanks. Uh, Is he in control of your life even if it doesn't seem like it? Give him thanks anyway. He is good and his mercies are everlasting. His faithfulness endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. But pastor, can't I just praise God in my mind? You can. You can, but you also need to let what's in your mind come out your mouth. Something is materialized when you use words. Something takes place. I don't understand it all. I can't comprehend it, but there is something powerful about speaking what you think about somebody else. Tell that to your husband or your wife when they complain that they don't. you don't tell them how much you love them. And you say, but honey, I was thinking about how much I love you. Yeah, your wife is going to be like, mm-hmm. how about you speak what, how much you love me? How about you tell me? I can't read your thoughts. God's the same way. Even though he can read your thoughts, he wants you to say it from your mouth. Something is different when you speak it out loud. Has the Lord redeemed you? Psalm 107 verse 2. Then speak out. Let it out of your mouth. Open up your mouth and give him praise. A few other words that we find that describe praise is the Hebrew word yada or tehillah. Yada or tehillah you find in Psalm 9 and verse 1. I will praise you, Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. Psalm 107 verse 8 uses the word tehillah and yada to say, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Psalm 109 verse 30, I will greatly praise the Lord with my 
mouth. I've got to engage my lips and my vocal cords and my tongue to put words together to bring him praise. The word yada, very similar to todah, has a different connotation, however, because yada is not just what comes out of my mouth, but it's a physical act, because the word yada means to lift your hands while you praise God. When we say raise your hands, it's not just a Pentecostal thing. This is actually a Jewish thing. To raise your hands and praise God is as old uh, as the book of Psalms. Uh, it's not a new modern expression of worship. It's as old as the hills. Uh, it's God's idea of what praise is. Because when you lift your hands, uh, the police know that when you raise your hands, uh, it's a sign of surrender. It's a sign of you're not going to attack. Uh, you're not going to get, you're going to yield. You're going to surrender to them uh, in whatever capacity. And so when you surrender yourself to God uh, and you bring praise to him and you lift it up, you're also saying to him, God, I surrender to you. Uh, I give thanks to you because of what you've done. Uh, and I'm here to let you know that I'll do what you want me to do tomorrow. I'll surrender my life to you. It's another way of expressing it is Yada would take, it was like they would take something from the ground and throw it up in the sky. The word Yada means to literally not just lift your hands, but throw your hands in the air. As if to say, I'm taking my praise and I'm throwing it up to heaven. I'm taking my praise and my worship and I'm throwing it up to the Lord. I'm, I'm sending it up to him because he has sent me down blessings, so I'm going to send him up a thank you. In Jeremiah 50 verse 14 he uses this same word to describe the launching of an arrow, which gives me some joy because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and I throw my praise up to him, the Bible's kind of giving me the clue that I'm like sending arrows into the sky to worship God. It's like launching a praise as hard and as, you, you get the idea, it's not this casual, oh, hallelujah. But there's something that rises up inside of you that makes you want to throw your hands in the air and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. It comes with joy and excitement. It comes with fervor and intensity. And everybody manifests it in a little bit different ways. I'm just telling you what the Bible's teaching us this morning. And then the, the Bible also uses a few other words, Shabbat and Ruach. These are the words that are accompanied with the expression to shout. To lift up your voice in more than just a whisper, in more than just a talking tone, but a shout. Psalm 63 verse 3 says, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. It's a sound of triumph and victory. God has done great things, so I'm going to give him great praise. Be glad in the Lord, Psalm 32 11, and rejoice ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Uh, when people were shouting here this morning, it wasn't uh, to make you uncomfortable and sorry if, if you're not used to that kind of expressive worship in church, uh, but that's the kind of 
worship that God is asking us to give him. This isn't a culture thing. This isn't a religious thing. This is a God thing. This is a God culture. This is not a, you know, you, you might go to certain churches uh, of a certain ethnicity and they might say, well, that's just, you know, their way of expressing. They're very expressive people. Their culture is very expressive. But here in this church, our culture is not as expressive. And and I would, I would argue that, you know, we got to check our culture at the door and adopt Bible culture when we come into the house of God because it doesn't matter what color your skin is, what nationality you are, what culture you hail from. Everybody is faced with the same problem and that's sin. Everybody deals with the same kind of junk and that's sickness and trouble and brokenness. And you come into a place that brings healing and wholeness and redemption for your yesterday. That should be enough that cross-culturally should get a similar response. That yes, it's different and it's varied for each person, but it generally comes across as the same thing. God gets my best sacrifice of praise. God gets my best sacrifice of praise. I understand for this, this might be new for some of you. This might be like, wow, I, I don't know if I could do all this in one service. Maybe not, but you could do something different. Maybe take one step further than where you've ever gone. If you've never really raised your hands before in church, I, I encourage you, just go the halfway. You know, you know, start small. You'll find, hey, God is God is God loves you and He'll help you through it, right? Raise your hands halfway this time. Maybe next week you'll go three quarters. And by the end of the month, you'll be able to throw them up in the air if you really want to. It doesn't really matter. But the, but the point is, God wants your best praise. What is your best praise? Uh, begin to think about all the things that he's done for you. Uh, that's why we talk about meditating on the Lord. Uh, and by the way, praise isn't something you should just do in a church service. Uh, but turn on some worship music at home. When nobody's watching, when you're alone, uh, shut your door. Close the blinds on your, on your house. I've done this. Close the blinds in your bedroom, shut the door so nobody can interrupt you, turn on your music and just begin to worship the Lord and begin to practice uh, and give him praise and give him thanks. Uh, there is a powerful effect that it has on your mental health, on your body, and on your spirit. It's good to give God thanks. Can we stand this morning? I didn't get to all the words. There's lots more. One of them you might hear us say is hallelujah. That's a combination of a few different Hebrew words. Hallel, Yah, praise the Lord, praise Jehovah. Hallel means to go crazy. It invokes action, to boast, to be foolish, to rave, to go crazy. And you might see somebody in a service when a song gets to a certain point and something overtakes them, I can't tell you, I can't explain it. Something you have to experience for yourself. But when you think of the goodness of God in your life, and you begin to meditate on that, there is an emotional response that connects to that. And you can just lift your voice, uh, and at some point you don't even care. It's like getting that Lotto 649, that, that jackpot dump into your bank account. At that point, you don't really care who thinks what about you. You're going to give, you know, some kind of praise or some kind of shout or scream. It's the same thing, but only a little bit better. 
because God has done something for me that I, I begin to think about and I begin to meditate upon it. I begin to contemplate it and something wells up on the inside of me that I've got to express. I've got to let that out. It's called praise. And I praise him, and I give him thanks. Uh, and for a few moments, we're going to sing a song. I want you to practice your praise here for this morning, because this isn't just about hearing a preacher preach or hearing a, a, a message, but we want to actually practice uh, what we're saying this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, oh, God, I worship you. I magnify you, Lord. You're worthy of my praise. Uh, you're worthy of the glory, Jesus. You're worthy of my honor, Lord Jesus. Every praise belongs to you, Jesus. Every praise that I have, I give to you right now, Lord, because you saved me. You redeemed me, Jesus. You delivered me, God. I thank you today. I magnify you, Jesus. I give you the glory today, Lord, for you're worthy. You're marvelous. You're wonderful. You're magnificent. I thank you, Jesus. I magnify you, Lord, and I give you the praise today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, I give you praise, Jesus. I magnify you. 